position and you, God sees the heart. You're not just doing it because it's the best, best thing, like only better than the Pentecostal church I left, I'm going to hundredfold. That's not a hundredfold. <laughs> if I don't get some zappy powers and, and prove to my last pastor that I can do miracles and he can't, um, that's not a hundredfold. <laughs> you want to lay down your life for him. So if you say, I want to be like you, Father, I want to take over the family business and have your character and your nature, then God says, you really want this? And you say, yes, he says, okay. And he will do it. So that's your rest. That, and then God will bring about circumstances and situations in your life where you can choose this. And what you're choosing is to walk on the word come as opposed to the wind and the waves. And God will give you opportunity after opportunity to choose to act on what he says about you, which is a promise. That's how we partake in the divine nature, by a promise, by a word, over everything you know. Over your last 20 attempts, <laughs> over the history of your family, over the laws of physics, over the laws of biology and virology, over the laws of finance, in an area maybe of your complete failure. Or not, each child's different. One child's got right, we're going straight back in the area you just failed in. Let's go. Another one is like, gentle, gentle. <laughs> okay. I mean, you take them from five days a week to four days a week work. Four days a week work, how can I ever? <laughs> and we have one day just to ourselves, just you and me. Yep. And he'll just gently walk into it. Other people, he'll be like, okay, give your money away. Let's go. <laughs> but if that crushes your soul, he won't do it to you. He will take you the way you should go. He knows you very well. He loves you. And he knew this question was coming. And if you truly choose it, or your desire, you don't have to just go, okay, yeah, I see it. It's in the gospel. That's what you're giving me. You are that good. You would give it to me. Yes, I receive a gift. Now, can you father me into the maturity of that gift, which is the very person of Christ in the body, in this life? And he says yes, and he will do it. And basically, in the very clear terms, you have to make decisions based on an invisible promise opposed to everything you know, taste, touch, see, have been taught or memorized. Anything carnal. Anything, yeah, anything carnal. Anything sensual as opposed to sensitive, spiritual. Sens sensual is not wrong. But your source must be carnal. Then have great emotions and eat great food. Well, we're trying to bring you all up to here. And here is based purely in the word, his nature. And operate from there. And based on his nature, he will give you a promise and then or invite you into something. And you follow him into that. <laughs> or you can set your parameters. You can say, okay, God, teach me. And I want to be a carpenter. You want me to teach you to be a son of God that governs 10 cities by being a carpenter? Yes, I do. Desire of my heart. Okay. You've set the parameters. Let's go be a carpenter. You got to learn. You got to start your shop. You know, some people will pay you, other people won't pay you, you go get this machine, etc. Economy goes up, economy goes down. And all these things will happen to you. Do you believe the word? 
and everything will come to test. Are you the son of God? Did God really say? And you'll answer with the word. And the word will do the work. And you stay still and patient and let that happen. Or you'll act according to the promise. And that's how you get over here. That's how it's done. But it's based on you knowing God wants this for you. He's qualified you for it. He wants to give you the kingdom. He delights to give you the kingdom, it says in Luke 6. He wants to give you, delights to give it to you. But only as you like him can you govern. He's going to make you like him. Father, make me like you so that I can govern. And some very exciting things. And some other things will come because you must be able to forgive those who persecute you. So guess what? <laughs> you must be able to forgive those and bless those who betray you. So guess what? <laughs> Do you ever meet anybody that's in, uh, moving in rural places? I promise you, they have suffered real betrayal and real disappointment. And they've learned to become like God. Because if you've got wrath in you, justice in you, then if you build a city, <laughs> whatever you create, you have wrath and earthly justice in it, violence and murder. And uh, Jesus laid in a platform of blood for forgiveness for everything started. And God wants to make you that person that would do that same thing. You don't have to do it for the universe that's been done, but that same character. And that's what God's going to do. So it's who you become, not what you do. And if you say, I want to be a good 35 Christian, great. 35, great return, see you in heaven. Great 65 Christian, great. You're going to do some miracles. You're going to do some ministry. You're going to get some great things happening. 100-fold, baptism of fire. I'm going to change your very nature. That you can walk in and out of that seraphim into Eden and out the flaming sword. Yep. Not just your spirit being out there. Oh, let's do it this way. Not just your spirit being up there in heaven, but your body and your soul can all come to. It's all one frequency, in and out. And that's the baptism of fire. You can be saying the same frequency as that fire. But uh, there's love overcoming. But God will do it. He's got time. Just imagine it's going to take you to your 89, become the fullness of the stature of Christ. Then fantastic. Let it be 89. You don't have to do a day's ministry in that time. You may do. You may not. All you're doing, you're not working in the field. You're running away. You're in the house with the father and you do what you see, what you see him doing. You start to behave that way. I'm going to have to take ministry away from you to fix you up, to hand you back. <laughs> Who knows? He's wise and every child's going to be different. But the rest is you asked him. So he will do it. And what you'll be doing is that you'll be choosing invisible word, which is his character, over all your thoughts, emotions, memories, judgments. And he's going to be better than what you thought. And you'll probably turn down these first three invites because it's too good or he's not that good to you. And that's your own judgment. And then God will reveal that to you and then you'll finally go into it later. It's okay. Start the process. Fully manifest Son of God by 89. Pretty good. That's, that's John. So that's John the Beloved. He, he made it to late into the 90s, we reckon, by, by the way things are written in the, about 90 AD. So he was 30 with Jesus. He's 90 then. So uh, <laughs> 90 is fine. It's good. Yeah, that's my answer. Joseph, how do you bring this new creature reality into this creation? 
Um, I think the most practical way to describe that is trial and error. Um, is yeah, is is that you're you're absolutely positively going to make mistakes, but the object is not to not make mistakes. Um, the object is con to continue growing, and what your path uh, will look like is fully and completely different than what my path or Chris's path. Chris traveled the world for six years. I got uh, lost to marriage, got disowned by my family, um, lived on the street homeless under a bridge for two weeks at a, two weeks, two separate times, um, lost businesses, lost friends, lost, you know, uh, but Chris's process was no better than mine. My process was no better than Chris's, but I can promise you, nobody on this phone call wants to go through what Chris did. Nobody on this phone call wants to go through what I did. Everybody on this phone call has their own path that God is taking them. And if it doesn't look like Chris's path and my path, that's exactly where you should be. Mm. <clears throat> and so everybody's pathway to begin to do that, everybody's pathway to begin to understand is, is completely different um, as far as that goes. And, um, you know, as far as... Um, believing something believing something is is a choice and so again it's back to i think that's um you know uh, the question Paige asked is is uh how how do i make it a real transition in my area and how do i know if i'm believing and just saying that i do belief is a choice and so if you choose to believe then you do believe now the manifestation of that in your life is going to look completely different but um, say you're starting a business, the choice, the, the choice for, as, as it has to do with the character and nature of God, like Chris said, is the choice about a business is, do I believe that Jesus is, is more excited about me starting this business than I am? Mm, do I believe good. that Jesus is more excited about me having finance than I am? Do I believe that Jesus is more excited about me having uh, finance, health, children, um, relationships, um, success, whatever that looks like. I have to make the willful choice that I'm going to believe that no matter what presents itself in my life. Yep. And that is the beginning of the transition into, um, in, into those things. And that transition and that choice to believe those things will initiate the process of the baptism of fire in your life. And so the reason some people move through that baptism of fire and some people don't is actually a matter of choice because that fire comes and people think that that fire is the devil, that fire is whatever that fire, you know, is, and they choose um, the path of least resistance and they choose to move a different way. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love them. It means that they were presented with that baptism of fire and decided um, that 60-fold was, was where they wanted to be. And that's fine. Jesus loves them, just like he loves us. Mm. Very good. So go yeah. do it is the big answer to that. Yeah. And then understanding the nature that it's leaving physicality for spirituality, which is based on a promise even beyond going to the stars and seeing it and all those things, just believing that he said it. Come, all right. And not looking at the wind and the waves. 
and everything will be that mechanism, no matter what. You're believing the word over what you perceive cent centrally, memory, finality, physical law, decay, all those things, disqualification, shame, all those things. You are choosing what God says. If he says you're clean, you're clean. If he says you can take that land, you can take that land. Even if you're a grasshopper in your sight. No, don't reference yourself. You reference him. He says you can take the land. You can take the land. He says you can walk on water. You can walk on water. If he says you're clean, you're clean. If his loving has great compassion, then his loving has great compassion. If he remembers your sins no more, then he remembers your sins no more. It's all based on him. Nothing with you. All the weight's over on him. The word does the work. And when you cooperate with that, as the Spirit says, when you obey the Spirit, you mortify the flesh. New Testament verse. <laughs> obey the word, you put the flesh mm. to death. Or you, or you can bring, put salvation, bring salvation life to what's in the way. Yeah. And so um, the big thing about manifesting things is that um, your physical, whatever it is, is that your physical body is the vessel through which it manifests. It starts in the spirit, but then it translates down. And so when you make that choice to believe, everything that needs to happen in your physical body in order for that thing to manifest through you begins to take place um, because Holy Spirit is in you, upon you, around you, all of that kind of stuff. And so when you make that choice to believe as an act of your will, you shift your, your physical body as well as your soul, as well as your spirit into alignment with that. And that alignment shifts your body and everything else that needs to come into alignment into the place that it needs to be so that the thing can happen. Yeah. Yeah. And you've never done that before. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. You don't know anything. Exactly. And God knows anything. You have the character. You have the desire. You don't have the fortitude. You got nothing. God's going to bring it all to you. Yep. Yeah. You bring nothing to the table except the surrender of your will. Yeah. Yeah. The more fully formed your will, the better. <laughs> <laughs> That's a process for all of us. Yeah. All right. Joseph, question? Um, sure. I can knock out a couple of them real quick. Um, Serif Creative, um, I was making a joke. Um, SerifCreative.org um, is, uh, Chris runs Serif Creative. I sit on the board. Um, it's a publishing company um, and publishes Mystic. It's the Mystic Resource Center. Um, so there are all kinds of books and resources on Serif Creative. Uh, what resources would you recommend to start learning the Hebrew letters? Rabbi Raskin, R-A-S-K-I-N, has a book called The Living Letters. Great place to start. Um, Megan Taylor is also doing stuff. Yeah, Megan and Taylor. Um, Ruach, R-O-O-K-A-H. Um, they are doing online um, Hebrew courses and meditation and stuff like that. Um, they're connected. Megan and Taylor Remington. Yeah, Remington. And, um, Ruach. Ruach. Well, that, that's it's a, a different spelling of Ruach, but, but yeah. Um, yeah, they're connected to um, Dr. O, connected to us, good people, um, amazing revelation. Yeah. Uh, the question that was asked to me um, how, would you expand upon your soul is a time machine? Um, 
I said that yesterday, um, kind of dangled a carrot out there. Um, as you begin to ascend consciously, um, one of the first things um, that you will discover is that it is your soul that takes your consciousness um, from natural into spirit. And so, um, and one of the first things that you end up doing is you, you end up engaging the angel or the being that governs time. And so um, your soul is the transport vehicle um, for your awareness in and out of time. Okay. So um, two that are connected, uh, they're back up a while, but one was what do I think of the courts, or the court teaching that's out at the moment. And the other one is, um, uh, someone asked about they deal with um, sexual predators and how they're supposed to lay down their lives and have a heart of compassion for them. And that's a very practical and very good question because like, things like that, they make me angry. And the anger is not sin. The fact that when I hunt those guys down and murder them is sin. <laughs> that's yeah. Not murder. Not as quickly, slow. <laughs> so there's a gap. There's a gap between me and God. I see that now. So um, these two are, are connected. Um, and the disconnect is, um, so there's courts. What do I think of the courts? I think they're real. I think they exist. I think they're effective. I think they are a faculty in heaven that we can access. I think it's probably the highest thing legally uh, effective wise on the earth that the church can attain to. And it's the lowest thing that sons can attain to. Because <laughs> the court, you've got 30, 60, 100. They sit right here between the 60 and the 100. As uh, Ian Clayton called the mobile court. And that's because it sits in that little area. That's why Satan can appear there. Does God have a throne there? Yes. Is it his throne, throne, throne? No, no, no. It's a throne that... Uh, Satan can come to, and, I agree. and evil, spirits, evil spirits can come there and say stuff, yeah? And they all get together. And there's other gods there, literally, gods. Yes. Elohim. Elohim, still amongst the Elohims, the Elohim, and he berates them because he's the boss. So there's other crew going on there. There's lots of things there. And us as sons of God, we can rock up there too. We outrank everybody. And and because the guy on the judge's seat is our dad. So it's legal with your dad. (laughs) So you must understand it's always relational for us. Now, anything in an orphan's hand is a weapon. Once you've seen that, you can't unsee it. Okay? Good theology, true theology in an orphan's hand is a weapon. So you learn something. And you know something better than your pastor. You didn't know it two weeks ago. You went to a conference, you learn about it, you come back and now you know it and the pastor doesn't know it. If you're an orphan, you stab him with it. It's true. <laughs> you didn't know that two weeks ago. Now <laughs> you do know it, okay? So the Grace Gospel is a good example. I'll be a bit rough on the Grace Gospel today, but... Um, oh, wow. Uh, um, the Grace Gospel... People didn't know the grace gospel. Their pastor didn't know it. He's just a guy. They didn't know it. You're just a guy. Anyway, they go away to a conference. 
hear the grace gospel, sets them free, but the process of the soul is denial, anger, bargaining, acceptance. Hear the grace gospel? This can't be true. This can't be true. This can't be true. It is true. I'm righteousness because God may be righteous. And whether I go to the church or not, if I tithe or not, go to the prayer meeting or not, God's going to be good to me. My pastor said I need to go to the prayer meeting. I need to be tithing to protect myself. And you are angry. Denial. Anger. Anger. Okay? And with that anger, you're going to take the grace gospel and stab your pastor anywhere it hurts. Okay? Because you are angry. Why? Because you're under the law and the law builds up murder. Okay? You're just a dog with a muzzle. Okay? If you've got uh, a pit bull terrier and he's got a muzzle on his face for six years, guess what? It's a great dog. You know why? It hasn't bit anyone ever. Six years. Not one bite. Is it a good dog? We don't know. Take the muzzle off and we'll find out what's in that dog's heart. Okay? So the grace gospel took the muzzle off and we found it wasn't people's hearts. I don't have to tithe. I'm never giving to God again. And God's like, yeah, you always hated giving. You haven't actually given at all. Not once. I've been tithing for 10 years. But you hate it. That's not giving. That's the a religion of your own invention. <laughs> okay. So, so, oh, where we going? So, uh, a weapon in the orphan's hand. And a truth is a weapon in the orphan's hand. Okay, so people got this grace gospel, and then they, a new phenomenon came about in the early 2000s. It was called splanting. You know, it's not a split, not a church split, it's not a church plant, it's a <laughs> splant. Okay, you're inside the church, you start to think people, oh, a pastor doesn't listen to Joseph Prince. Pastor doesn't listen to Rob Rufus, who's an awesome preacher. Pastor doesn't listen to, I don't know, Bernie Brits. Pastor doesn't listen to Andrew Womack. Pastor, you know, you get a little crew inside that church and they put a little click inside the church and they go, we're out of here. We're plugging a new church. The pastor's like, well, I can't stop you. Well, it's not a split then. It's not a plant because I'm not sending you. Well, it's a splant. And this poor pastor guy, okay, who's prayed for you, He's doing whatever he was told as a child. Everything his Bible college told him to do. Uh, he's come and visited you. He, when he sent you flowers when you were sick. He, when your child was sick in the hospital, he looked after you. got the prayer man going to you. And then you've got a better religion and you stab him with it. <laughs> he built the building, paid for the air conditioning. Okay. So a, a truth in an orphan's hand is a weapon. Guess what we've got now? The courts. The court in an orphan's hand is a weapon and it's been used as a weapon, okay? They go on there, getting judges against this person, getting restraining orders against this person, uh, judging this, judging that. Are they, you know, fancy what they're doing to the Democrat Party? They're laying their life down for them? I don't think so. They're getting judgments against Nancy, Nancy Pelosi and judgments against Chuck Schumer. Anything in orphan's hand is a weapon. Okay, you're going to get judgments, okay? But you're going to be a son of God. And like Ian Clayton framed this up for me, so this is always to his honour. You go there to deal with your record. Yes. So, someone betrays me, okay? Someone betrays me. They steal my goods. They use my goods to start a company in competition to me. And then they destroy my name 
and take my clients. Now I've got no money, I've got no clients, everything's been stolen from me, and I can't get a loan, can't start again because everyone thinks I'm a terrible person. I'm trapped, I'm crushed, deeply betrayed, genuine situation. What do I do? I go to the courts. I go to the courts and say, well, Jesus has, you know, the whole process. Jesus as my counselor, as my whatever, advocate. I go see my father, who's the judge. And there's, that was a court case. Psalm 50 was a court case. 51, sorry, Psalm 50 was a court case. You are right. You judge correctly. If you say I'm clean, I'm clean. It was a court case. God, you're right. You judge correctly. And I want to say, I and my family line have stolen from people. We've destroyed people's names. We have robbed. We've lied. We've used deceit. I've done it. My family line have done it. I'll ask now, I can call on your great mercy. If you say I'm clean, I'm clean. Wipe it from me and my family line. And guess what? It's gone from your conscience. It's gone from your record. And you just got off for free by the blood of Christ. Now, the person who did it to you, you say, Father, this person, Larry, <laughs> has stolen from me, destroyed my name, etc., etc. You've just forgiven me, completely forgiven me by the blood of Christ. I've got away from that sin purely by your work alone, your character alone, and no one's going to know about it. I ask for Larry. He has done these things, and I plead mercy for him. And the same way you've forgiven me, I ask you to forgive him. And I put him completely into your hands. And I say, mercy. Father, forgive him. He knows not what he does. And they put it in the Father's hands. The Father may use blessing to bring him around to kindness. Or the Father might smash him. Who knows? Father knows best. So that's not the, necessarily the full legal process of the court. But that's the heart of the courts. Okay? That's not an orphan heart. That's a mature son who wants to become a father. Who lays in his life the guilty heart of the courts. So are the courts real? Yes. Can you use them? 30, 60, 100? Yes. Everyone can use them. Yep. But how you go there and your attitude depends very much on your outcome and how you're using them and what you're locking yourself into. You go in there for justice, earthly justice. You go, so-and-so has broken this law against me. And I want justice. Okay. Oh, you want justice, do you? Well, Chris, while you're here, you've also done those things. You know, that's a 60-fold court. That's a knowledge of good and evil court. And sometimes these people go into courts to get things done and they're going with just retribution in their heart and they go, but they believe they're going to see God and Jesus is helping them and the seven spirits of God are helping them. Well, I promise you, they're not. So where are they? If they're in some dimension and they're seeing a court case go forward and they're after murder and all these things, well, perhaps they're not in that call of heaven, but they are somewhere. Maybe in imagination, maybe really. You don't want to be those guys. So everything of heaven, you must be fathered into, must come with the heart, must come with maturity. The courts are real and they're for sons to use and you want to use it with the heart of a son. You want to become like your father to plead on behalf of the guilty. Even if God has brought down the hammer, that child's going to die. Maybe who have mercy. Solomon and Gomorrah are going to get smashed. Father, have mercy. Or Enoch. 
The angels have fallen. Father, have mercy. And then Father will make a righteous decision. That you're making a call on his character. You're becoming like him. Yeah. So that's the courts. So if you are dealing with the most horrendous crimes, oh, if you know God's got you in that place, then it's the same thing. There but for the grace of God go I. And that's difficult. I look at Harvey Weinstein and I think, that guy needs to get taken down. But there but for the grace of God go I. Maybe if I was in his situation, I'd be the bigger monster with his childhood and his genetics and his upbringing. You know, perhaps I would have been worse. Who knows? I don't know. But if he's crimed against me, that's my heart. Okay. So if you're doing these things with God, that's your heart. You must stay out of the knowledge of good and evil judgment and see what God's heart for the world. Because we know that this poor kid that's been abused, okay, by the time he's 27, may be the abuser. What a horrible, evil person. Your great compassion on him is 10 years ago, okay? And maybe God sees that 10-year-old kid, not the 27-year-old abuser. Maybe. I don't know. Each situation is different. We must come from freedom from the knowledge of good and evil, and our heart must be to, um, for the restoration and removal of all sin, and that they cover their sin, and they'll be made righteous forever. And from there, that's your heart. From there, you can prosecute the legal standards of the law. And that means that guy that goes to jail for 50 years, so be it. That means there's not enough evidence to convict him, so be it, because everyone will stand before the Lord. But you've got to take all that weight off yourself, the judgment, the anger, okay? And from here, in the hundredfold, with that car, God may share you his pain in that situation. His pain for the perpetrator. His pain for the victim. His care for them. But you must leave knowledge of good and evil before God can share with you his heart and his pain as a friend. Yeah. So you won't become like God in that situation. But God has a certain heart for it all. You must leave earthly judgment, make a heavenly judgment. And get yourself cleaned up first. Because you, because Jesus said, um, if you have anger in your heart against someone, you're a murderer. How can that be? Because if you're in a different country with no police, you would have killed that dude. And it's only the fact you've got police that you didn't kill him. The fact that your dad spanked you when you did something naughty. And it's in your head. Don't do naughty, get spanked. That's the reason you're not doing it. It's a muzzle on the dog. But it's not your heart. And the same for adultery. Because if you do adultery, you go to a, a church in Texas, you commit adultery, everyone's going to know. It's going to be a big mess. But hey, if you're that person, you, want, you, you have lust in your heart towards someone and you are, you know, you've got power in a country that has no policing, social policing, Christian policing, you can do what you want. And maybe you would have. <laughs> that, God doesn't care about the muzzle. He cares about the character. Yeah. So we, we need to say that we are all fallen short of the glory of God and we've all had a great salvation. And from there, that mercy, that that person would be me, I, from that mercy, and I've done, it, I've, I've done that. I'm a murderer. I'm an adulterer. I've been forgiven scot-free by Christ. Now I can give that to other people. And from there, prosecute the law of the land the country you're in with absolute righteousness.
You can go after someone and get them locked up forever. Now, that's the law of the land, as long as that's your heart. Yeah. Good. Um, don't really have a whole lot to add, um, other than um, what he said about the position of where the courts are um, in between the 60 and the 100. Um, I don't, you know, not going to go into it today, um, but that indicates that within the 100, there are different ways to go about doing the same thing and accomplishing the same things that can be accomplished in the courts. Yes. Yes, um, it's the last thing of some is the courts. Yeah, uh, and so what that um, and so a way that that that, that can be um, described is that um, there are ways of intimacy, um, ways that can be revealed through intimacy and through relationships that are higher than those things. But that is a tool, um, and I've, um, I love Ian. Uh, he's he's a good friend of mine. Um, we're he's sending me messages on line right now um but uh that is a revelation that he brought to the earth that is functional and practical for everybody and i honor him until the end of the age for what he's done with that but um again he doesn't always operate through the courts either um so that is good and it's a tool that can be used now but understand that as you explore the hundred um there will be um more that is revealed on how you can deal with um stuff like that um, and as far as the question about um, how you deal with, with predators and with stuff like that, um, I think that my response to that would, um, would like be losing my salvation. So I don't think I can, <laughs> I can answer that. Um, but I will say that um, for the people who do, and I don't even know who asked the question, but for the people who do um, work in that, um, and, and are working to do all that kind of stuff and, and, and deal with those people. Um, the sacrifice that you have made in your life, um, in your emotional life, in your spiritual life, um, in your own life, um, the sacrifice that you've made with uh, the emotions, with the relationships, with all the different kinds of stuff that you've had to sacrifice in order to pursue and stay on that path for the benefit of somebody who cannot defend themselves. And for, and for the benefit of somebody else um, is on par with greater love has no man than this, that they would lay down their life um, for another. Um, for the people who are pursuing that, and I don't know who you are, but for the people you know, who ask the question who are pursuing that, what you're doing on a daily basis is laying down your life for somebody else. And there's a measure of love in that that I don't comprehend yet. Um, regarding the stars, I have many dear friends who follow the Hebrew calendar in terms of feasts and new moons and cycles of God and God's appointed times and their beauty of this, yet it seems some way to be in conflict, all of this just being a shadow. Um, what I'll say about times and seasons is that they function, unless, of course, you have a greenhouse. Um, and in a greenhouse, um, it can be any season that you desire it to be, um, whenever you desire it to be that. And so while times and seasons do function well, a fully manifested sun is his or her own greenhouse. Um, and so you can, think, you can manifest things in different things in times and seasons. But even in a greenhouse, um, there is something that the Bible talks about called its due season. And everything get, you know, get, gives it. And so not everything is meant to go in a greenhouse. Um, but 
times and seasons are um, are there. So it's not about subjecting yourself to it. It's about knowing what to manifest when. Um, if Adam and Eve weren't the only humans, how did their fall affect everybody? Because they um, had the governmental seat of authority. Um, so um, as a parent, you make, you make decisions that affect your children. And not that Adam was everybody's daddy, but um, the same. Um, do I know anybody who's seen that far into the future? Yes. Uh, laying, your line laying your life down for all people. Is that something that you one day achieve and then have it? Or is it, even, or is it an over and over choice? Yeah. So you receive that nature when you're born again. And you want that nature to come into your soul and your body. And that's a choice. <laughs> and lots of many opportunities to, to make that choice. Yeah. And some people, they, they do something with God and it's done. Like, wow, God is always this. He's like that always forever. And I'm very envious of those people. But for me, um, Sometimes when the situation comes up again, I feel like I've never seen this before in my life. <laughs> God has never come through for me ever before. It's like a new thing. I don't know why that is, but it does become easier. And, um, and then it just becomes your nature. You can understand these things. It's no longer a struggle. It becomes your nature. So for me, for provision, I just make a choice of my will. Will you go here? Yes. And um, I don't even think about how I'm going to get there, how I'm going to afford it. I just make a choice. I know the, that in the promise, all the provision comes in that promise. The seed has everything in it so it can grow. And I know that for finance. But I don't know that for health. Why? I don't know. Why can't you just work out that God's always true and everything he says is true all the time? Okay. But we compartmentalize it. We compartmentalize it according to our childhood. You know, if you had a dad that was always providing for you but never spoke to you, then that's how God is. Someone says God's a provider. Yeah, yeah. And God's good to you and wants to talk to you. You're like, what? <laughs> you know, all the way around. Perhaps your dad always talked to you, but he never gave you anything. You know, God's always there. He's not going to help you. <laughs> you know, so all overcoming a different mixture of soul shape, damage, if you'd like to call it that, overcoming different records to remove them from the earth. Um, so in some areas of your life, it will be a one-time thing because you just get it. Yeah. And this is how business works. This is how trade works. And then, but you don't get it in relationships. <laughs> but God's always faithful in business. Is he faithful in relationships? You know, and that's how we are. And we've all got different shapes in us and different, and different proclivities and different childhood experiences and different conclusions. So some things, you get it, it's incorporated into your nature forever and you're on. And other things, you make that decision over and over and over again. It doesn't come to you naturally in any way and you'll be overcoming that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the other thing is, um, along with what he said, is different people in different positions operate different ways. 
Um, and so the way a fully manifested son makes a decision is not the way a fully manifested king makes a decision. Um, and so a fully manifested son um, in a certain situation, um, you know, may pray for mercy. Um, God has never punished a king for using a sword. And so a fully manifested king in a certain situation may use a sword and, and it okay with God. That's a hard thing for a lot of people to swallow, but a fully manifested king um, has, uses his sword, his or her sword. Um, and so that's, that's um, the other you know, position that goes along with um, you know, the stuff about the, the child stuff. And I'm, I'm back on that again. But um, a fully manifested king uses his sword and God allows that because that is the function of a king is, is, is justice and judgment. Um, so, and neither one of them is right or wrong. It actually just depends on how a fully manifested priest acts in that situation it is completely different. And so it's a different thing for a di different situation. What do the terms mystic and mysticism mean to you, Chris Blackaby? Well, we use them. They have an earthly purpose and that's all. And that's just to delineate so we know what we're talking about amongst ourselves. Um, it means different things to many people. Mysticism now means something crazy because Christians left it. That's all. We abandoned it. We got taken over by someone else. And now we think it's evil. Like Hollywood. We abandoned Hollywood. Now it's evil. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. We abandoned science. We abandoned music because we thought Jesus was coming back. And now it's evil. Yeah. But it's not evil. <laughs> it was ours. Music's ours, movies is ours, creativity is ours, science is ours. You know, we're supposed to be governing those things. We're not supposed to be stopping them. And technology. We're not supposed to stop the internet, which is used for evil things. We're just supposed to govern the internet and bring it into the earth and govern it. And the Christians were involved in science as sons of God. We would have brought the internet to earth. And we would have brought cell phones to earth rather than the people who did. And they wouldn't be doing the damage that they are. Because <laughs> we would have brought it to earth. And we would have governed it. Yep. So mystic is just a term that we use to describe people that believe in the unseen reality and intimacy with God is accessible now. That's it. That's all it is. Okay. So all Christians believe that. Yes, all Christians are mystics. Christianity is a mystic religion. Even the people that hate the word mystic and even the people that fight and say we're dispensationalists, okay, why, why, where they get that from? We have the teachings of Paul. We believe Paul. We love Paul. We've got Paul's theology. Well, guess what? Paul used to go by that word until a white light in the sky knocked him over, blinded him, and told him it was God. Well, that's how cults start. That is how you start a cult. A white light in the sky came to me and said it was God. That's mystic. Yeah, that's completely mystic. A Jewish guy died and rose again and carried the whole world in himself and rose again. That's mystic. That's a mystery. That's something that doesn't follow the natural observable laws. It comes from another realm, from another being. And we have based ourselves in that place, this invisible, unseen realm and its laws. And we believe we can tangibly experience it now. That's mystic. So all Christians are mystic, yeah? But because they don't live in that, they give it lip service or mental assent, like, yeah, I believe God can do that. 
that don't believe it doesn't walk out in their life. We just call those who are walking that out in their life and put it as a primary, the primary substrate of Christianity is to know the Father now through the Son, now, and become like Him now. That's what it is. By His provision, His desire, His design, His idea, now, and that manifests on the earth. That is what mysticism is. And so all Christianity is mystic. But we just use it to, to delineate what we're doing in our focus as opposed to where lots of the church is focused. It's just a useful term to focus things. Not good or bad in itself, just a description. Like you can say Lutheran. It's a description to describe what that church is doing. That frames up where they're at pretty quickly. Not always accurate, it was pretty quick. They are Pentecostal. It frames up where they're at very quickly. It's not completely accurate, but it's useful. This is mystic. Not completely accurate, but it's useful. It's just a useful term on earth, but it's not the be and end all. I'm a son of God. I'm not a mystic, but mystic is a very useful term. Yeah, I agree. Um, and also mystic, you know, um, take it on a broader context. Um, there are Christian mystics, there's Hindu mystics, there's Buddhist mystics, there's all kinds of mystics. And so in that context, a mystic means uh, a mystic is someone who believes that they can a Christian mystic, in that sense, would be someone who believes that they can know God by, and learn about God through experience. On a broad scale, it means it is some, somebody who believes that they can learn, um, learn um, through spiritual experience and through spiritual practice, um, specifically meditation. Um, but I agree with what Chris said as well. Well, I think that's good. I think that's a lot of information that's gone through. Yeah, and uh, God will remind you, and God will carry it. You be at rest. This is His idea, you know, and um, His delight in this. I honor you all for pursuing truth. I'm sure you've been through many processes of thirty and sixty fold Christianity to find yourself here, and some of that would have hurt you, and some of that would have disappointed you, and some of that would have communicated some things about God to you which aren't true. And you've stood up again, and you've said. I'm going to have another look at this good God. So I really honor you all for being here. Yeah. Yeah. So just, yeah. Um, wanted to say thanks along with Chris. Um, it's been really fun uh, to be able to do this with one of my best friends in the world. And um, thanks for being here. Um, you've been stretched. You've been pushed. So thanks again. Um, Will, Kim, Cheryl, um, do you guys want to say something before we hang up? If you don't, it's fine. Thank you guys. I mean, how awesome that we had such a consistent number of attendance from our mm -hmm. and it was just fun to see everybody's faces who was willing to post a video or just even see your names. So thank you guys so much for joining us and we would love to do this again. Yeah, to all you guys, oh, I'm sorry, ladies first. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I was just gonna ditto what Kim said and just being able to see your names and now see your faces and thank you for your participation and and um, we would love to do this again. I mean, this is our heart, is to share this and to be a part of this. So, so thankful that you guys all joined us and from all around the world. And so we're just so thankful for this. So uh, we appreciate you and we love you. So go ahead, Will. Go ahead. Um, Joseph, Chris, you know, uh, well, a lot of you guys online know that Kim is, uh, raises bees, okay? So she's a beekeeper. And about the last hour sitting here, I, I feel like, like I really know what this is like. I'll have to talk to a bee, I guess, after this. 
I feel like I'm a bee in a hive that's just completely filled with honey. So <laughs> just, just the gooey goodness of just the beauty of heaven and the things that have been released. There's just so much here to to savor and to take in and Same. to share more than I could ever ask or imagine. Um, you guys have been unbelievable. Um, you know, uh, Joseph, I consider you a great friend. Chris, I'm dying to meet you. Uh, yeah. Give you a big hug. Um, <laughs> this, this has been incredible, guys. This, this has been as good as anything like this I've ever been part of. Um, and, and, and just, you have an unbelievable gift to make this stuff distilled and digestible. Yes. Okay. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you all. Um, there have been several questions. I'll end with this. There have been several questions about the recordings. Um, don't know what we're going to do with them yet. I'm going to talk to Chris and Will and Kim and Cheryl, um, and we'll decide um, what we're going to do with all of that um, later. So. Um, you guys have a fantastic rest of your weekend. Enjoy your families. Enjoy no traffic. Um, and we will talk to you soon. Bye.